Hello, everyone. This is Amelia Rose, and you're listening to the Everything Goes podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, you will discover that we discuss topics from A to Z and how these affect people's lives all over the globe. Follow us on all the major social media platforms and do let us know how we are doing. Let's get started with today's episode. This episode is the first in a series on inequalities in our society, and it's entitled When All Hell Breaks Loose. It is a conversation about the recent developments in Texas and how people's lives were impacted by the snowstorm. With me today is my friend and guest, Mr. Ed Barber. Ed is a retired mechanical engineer and a student of history. I tell you, I respect him in these two areas, but don't expect me to discuss social events. He will shed some light for us on the root causes of this situation with the snowstorm and the grid and what this means for other states. So welcome, Ed Barber. Good morning. Good to be with you. Thank you so much. Now, as I mentioned, you're going to help us understand what happened in Texas recently. And we'll expect that our listeners will chime in after the, the show on Facebook to ask further questions. But let me start with my first question. Can you explain for us what Texas having a grid, or any state for that matter, having a power grid, what does that mean? And how does that differ from utility services in other states? Well, the United States is divided into three portions. You have the eastern portion, the western portion, and then you have Texas. Texas has their own grid, and that's an agreement that uh, the state of Texas worked out with the federal government long time ago. And as long as Texas maintains its own grid within the state of Texas, not extending its borders, then they are not regulated by the federal government. They are allowed, the state legislation leaders are allowed to regulate their own utility industry. Okay. Utilities, utilities in the state of Texas is a private enterprise as opposed to in some other parts of the country like Commonwealth Edison, which is a utility that's regulated by the uh, federal government. Okay. Is all of Texas on this grid? All of Texas is on the same grid. Texas controls its own grid and um, it sells some power to Mexico. I see. I see. Now, what is the benefit of, of being on a grid? What, what is the, the benefits from that? Well, all states... Every state in the United States is a part of some grid. 
whether it is the eastern grid, which is the eastern portion of the United States, or the western grid, which is the western part. Texas is unique in that they have their own grid, meaning that um, all of the power that is generated in the state of Texas, whether it's from hydro, which would be water or wind, or from uh, solar or from nuclear or from fossil power plants has to be contained within the state of Texas. Now, what Texas does since they have turned the utility companies into private industry, there's about 50 different utility companies uh, in the state of Texas, and you as a consumer would have to buy your energy from those private enterprises and they can charge you whatever they like based on your credit rating. That's interesting. So um, what I want to know and what I think my guests, my, my, my listeners would want to know, what actually went wrong this past week? Well, what happened this past week was that the equipment that sends the power to your house had catastrophic failure due to the cold weather. In other parts of the country, equipment like pumps, valves, motors are covered from the element because they're exposed to the element and cold weather will cause them to seize or lock or stop. In Texas, because they are unregulated, the utility companies can either maintain them in that way or they can just leave them exposed to the outside element. And because of costs, they deemed it more advantageous not to cover them when it was recommended by the federal government and recommended by consultants that these areas or these equipments should be covered. In other words, winterized. Winterizing means to cover these, these pieces of mechanical or electrical devices so that they are not exposed to the elements. Mm -hmm. So somebody didn't want to spend the money to do the right thing and the consumer is left holding the bag. So let me ask you, was what happened foreseeable and who do you think is responsible for the system's failures other than the system itself? These things were foreseeable, and what Texas claims is that uh, it wasn't cost-effective to do these things. They claim that they sell uh, the cost of electricity to the consumers at a lower rate, but that's not true. To give you an example, the state of Texas sells kilowatts at a certain cost from $0.08 cent per kilowatt all the way up to $0.24 cent per kilowatt. Now, that is your base cost. But 
in that cost, there are other there are other fees involved. You buy your kilowatt price from a utility company, which is private enterprise, but then the main umbrella that brings the electricity to the house, you have to pay a fee, a monthly set fee to them. So that drives your kilowatt price up higher. Hmm. When, you, when you do a cost analysis of how much the consumer actually pays in Texas, you'll find that you're paying more per kilowatt. Uh, <laughs> to, bring it, to bring it into a better perspective, in Texas, I pay 14 cent per kilowatt hour for a house. Mm -hmm. In Illinois, to a utility company that is regulated, I pay mm -hmm. 18 cents per kilowatt hour for a two flat apartment building. Okay. So they claim it's cheaper, but in actuality it's not. Because they've added these middlemen, you're paying, mm -hmm. you're paying mm -hmm. fees, you're paying prices that you wouldn't ordinarily pay if it was state or federal, federal regulated, not, not state regulated, but federal regulated. I see. Now, um, what role do you think um, elected officials play in all of this? And explain for me, why is it that the taxpayer allow this sort of thing to happen? The taxpayers in Texas are basically in the dark. These, this agreement was worked out with the state legislators and the federal government many years ago. And because it is so political, nobody has ever challenged it because, you know, if it's out of sight, out of mind, as long as the system works, don't break it. Mm -hmm. Right. As I said earlier, the cost per kilowatt is based on your credit rating. So mm -hmm. if you have a, a good credit rating, 640 and above, you may be getting basic costs per kilowatt of $0.08 cent per kilowatt plus the $50 or $40 a month fee from the other utility companies. If you have, uh -huh. if you have bad credit, then you may end up paying as much as 24 cent per kilowatt plus the extra fees. Uh -huh. The other thing uh -huh. too is you have to sign a contract and the contract can be six months, 12 months or 24 months. If you live in an apartment and you're going to be in that apartment for a year, you may choose to sign an agreement for 12 months to coincide, coincide with your lease. Some people don't mm -hmm. do that. They may, their credit may be so bad that they only sign a six-month lease agreement. Okay. Other option is that you can go on variable. If you have extremely bad credit, you can go on a variable rate. You probably heard about the guy who got the $16,000 charge. I was just going to ask you about that. It is, it is very confusing, but let me just see if I can walk you through that. 
So he, when he decided to go with the utility company, for whatever reason, his personal choice, or uh, he had bad credit, he chose to go to gamble to go with the cheapest rate possible. So maybe they came to him and said, look, we can give you your utility costs at $0.08 per kilowatt, and as long as the average usage stays the same or goes up slightly, you mu- some months you may pay $0.14 cent per kilowatt, but on the average, you're going to be paying $0.08 cent per kilowatt. But, mm-hmm. but then when you have a spike, like in this particular incident, then you will end up paying the very highest rate. Now, what happened in his subdivision most of the houses went dark. He was one of the houses who did not go dark. Uh. So the cost of supplying to those houses that stayed lit now spiked very high because the utility company is used to selling electricity to 100 houses, but now they're only selling it to maybe 20 houses. So those twenty wow. houses who still have light have mm-hmm. the difference mm-hmm. for the other eighty houses that are now dark. Oh my gosh! Be- so tell me something. This this, now, this this all sounds let me, crazy. Let me make one more point. Because he okay. had a variable rate. He got the majority of the expense, and because he allowed them to do automatic withdrawals. They withdrew the money from his account. So now, now that's that. That's a bomber. Oh, God. Let that be a lesson to you. That Never let a- utility companies have automatic withdrawal. I don't want anybody in my account to do automatic withdrawal. Nobody, period. So let me ask you now. I am hearing all these crazy situations where people are being billed these enormous uh, rates and politicians are dancing around the issue, you know, but really I believe that they actually had something to do with this. What do you think elected officials country? What, what do you think they did or have been doing over the years to allow for something like this to happen? Well, you know, uh, it's all about money. It's all about business. Texas says, you know, this is free enterprise. So we deregulated the market. We created more businesses. These businesses make money. And of course, businesses contribute to political campaigns. The good thing about right now is that the Texas legislators are in session because unlike a lot of other states that meet on a regular basis, the legislators in Texas only meet four times a year. So now, since Mm -hmm. this just happens to be a time and period when they are meeting, they are now all on the hot seat. So what the the governor Uh has declared is that nobody has to pay these outrageous utility bills and that the utility company should give this guy his money back, the $16,000. We have to wait and see if they actually give it back to him. 
Okay. I'm, I'm watching myself. Now, in every conversation, no matter who is having it, when we talk about the issue of inequality, the working poor are the most vulnerable people. And now they are going to be left holding the bag for most of these costs, no matter how it turns out. How do you see this ending and what logical steps do you think residents can take to hold our legislators accountable going forward? Well, most uh, poor people uh, or people with fixed income will not be able to pay these high mm -hmm. utility costs. And since the governor has put a moratorium on paying the utility costs, it's sort of at a standstill. But for future, what the citizens have to do is to force the, the, uh, the state legislators to regulate, to do their job, and to force these umbrella companies to act on their recommendations. Now, we don't know if they are going to we don't know if the state legislators are going to allow the utility companies to just put it on an extended payment so that you don't have to pay it all at once, but you just have a little extra added onto your, your normal bill. If your normal bill is $40 a month, maybe they might say you have to pay an extra $10 a month to make up the difference. We don't hmm. know hmm. because they haven't, you know, they haven't decided, they haven't made it public. Mm -hmm. I think the company should have to eat all the costs. And I think we need to vote out half of these legislators who continue to sit back and let these things happen. Because today it is in Texas, but who knows where it's going to happen next. We know it's happening really across all areas of life. We have it in healthcare, we have it in education, all these inequities that are going on, inequalities. It's the working poor who always bear the brunt of all the disasters that happen. So let me ask you something else now. Texas is known to be rich in resources. And I have always heard this argument about secession. And some days I, I so want them to just cut off from the others, like when we're having these hurricanes and all the tornadoes and all of that sort of stuff. Um, tell me what you know about the origin of this sort of conversation. Wh where did it all come from? Well, one of the things that make a democracy work is that you have an informed electorate. That is that the people who are governed need to read and understand what's being told to them. If people don't read and understand, then they believe whatever is told to them. There is, uh, Texas politicians are masters at propaganda. There is a myth mm -hmm. that permeates through the state of Texas that because at one time, they were an independent country when they uh, broke away from Mexico. When it, and so mm -hmm. this is a myth that has permeated 
through the society and especially through the internet, but it is a fallacy. It is false. Texas cannot secede mm -hmm. from the United States. <laughs> you know, I just wondered, now we have people who are generous enough and are contributing to funds to help people. And, you know, I saw on the internet, I think it was on Facebook recently when one guy said this would be a good time for them, you know, or when we have these hurricanes, because the argument about socialism and all of that, to want other people to pay or the federal government to pay when these things happen, that would be the height of socialism, which they so dislike. So um, I think I have covered the common issues that I hear people talking about, but I want to give you an opportunity with any final thoughts on this issue. You know, some people think that, uh, you know, they need to contribute to the state of Texas to help them in this particular time. But what you have to remember is that mm -hmm. the state of Texas, their number one resource is oil and gas. And you'll notice that the price of gas and the price of oil went up during this period of time of high usage. So they are making they yeah. are making money yeah. back hand over fist via taxes on oil. If you look into if you look into mm -hmm. uh, the public info information records regarding Texas rainy day funds. They have the highest reserve of rainy day funds than any other state in the United States. So they have the money. It's not a need. It's just a it's just a mm -hmm. talking point for politicians. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I am hoping for the sake of those vulnerable residents of the state that nothing like this happens again. But given the climate situation worldwide, I am sure this will happen again. And I hope that the uh, powers that be may be, I, I hope they'll be better um, prepared for this. And um, I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise with us today. And I really look forward to hearing you again on a future podcast um, episode. And um, for my listeners, I thank you for listening. And I hope you will join us on Facebook and just share your thoughts on this issue and look forward to connecting with everyone again soon on our next episode. Thank, Thank you, you for the invitation. very much.